0: You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, episode 67. Well, hello there and welcome back to the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Holti, immigration lawyer practicing out of the beautiful province of Alberta, Canada. Well, today, folks, we're shifting gears again and we're going to talk about the healthcare system here in Canada. Now, some people may say, what? What the heck does healthcare have to do with immigration? Well, I can tell you guys that... Obviously, one of the hugest selling features of immigrating to Canada is our universal health care. And one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that it's accessible by all immediately upon arrival, uh, that it's the same no matter where you go in Canada. And this episode is going to bust all of those myths. Now, those of you out there, Canadian immigration lawyers, probably are are well aware, obviously, of the differences, province by province, especially because we live there. But for many newcomers, both permanent residents or newly arrived foreign workers and their families, can often arrive to a very rude awakening and expose themselves to some pretty huge risks if they are not aware of some of the restrictions that can apply in trying to access this universal healthcare system that is not so universal. So, I had um uh, a a conversation i've been talking with him for quite some time to get him to come on and join me uh, as you've seen some episodes have been related to different um uh areas that are ancillary to the you know the traditional straight on practice of immigration law, but areas that affect what we do and help us to you know, if we understand them, provide greater value to our clients and enhance the services that we offer. Well, this whole area of healthcare has another element to it, which is um, coverage uh, to bridge the gap uh, between the time in which someone, uh, you know, arrives in Canada and maybe then actually gets access to the healthcare system. So that gap is often requires private insurance. And so I have invited uh, Jason Cummings, who's the general manager of David Cummings Insurance Services Limited, to join me. And wow, he did an awesome job. This episode's a little bit longer, so I'm not going to get too wordy with the intro. I think you guys are going to really find it interesting. He takes the time to talk a little bit about the differences across the provinces. Um, he 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 basically busts a lot of the myths that people commonly have about healthcare. And uh, for those of you immigration lawyers out there, He's going to share some insight that's really helpful when we're advising our clients because, hey, they don't ask us just about what's required to obtain a study permit or a work permit or go through express entry. They often ask us about healthcare and things like that, both in the business immigration or on the individual side of the equation. So you're going to really like this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview that I had with Jason Cummings. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here with Jason Cummings, who is the general manager of David Cummings Insurance Services Limited. And we've got a really interesting topic today, and that is Canada's healthcare system. Welcome, Jason.
2: Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to join you.
0: Excellent. Well, we are uh, we're tackling a topic that. Lots of people know lots of, well, general information about it, but uh, not many people, at least who are looking to apply or immigrate to Canada or uh, come here temporarily as a worker or a student, really get an in-depth understanding of how it works. They know that it's great, or the Canadian healthcare system, but uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of little nuances to it that I think people are quite surprised when they first arrive in Canada. And so I thought I'd invite Jason to come on, and he is a... Um, a perennial speaker and someone who 's definitely out there educating the public on health and travel insurance and a bunch of other things, and his company is one of the preeminent um, providers of of uh, of health coverage interim health coverage, and things like that um, insurance uh, for people that are coming to to Canada and that remain here so he 's very active he 's at a lot of our Canadian bar Association. Uh, conferences, and um, he is pretty much recognized as as one of the experts in the health and travel insurance field. And uh, you could probably even Google and find some of the interviews that he's done for CBC's The National, uh, CBC News in Vancouver, and even some radio. So he gets a little opportunity here to jump on the Canadian Immigration Podcast with me and and share some insight on the healthcare system and and the private health insurance regime that helps to kind of fill in the gaps. So yeah, it's great to have you uh join us today, Jason.
2: Thanks again. Um you know, it's I, I really um I'm eager to um really enter that space where um I can help uh kind of take away some myths and fill in um some really useful information for people who are looking forward to their new life in Canada. And, um, and you're right. Sometimes, um, well, and, and I understand it too. I mean, uh, insurance is not always top of mind uh, or, and uh, whether it's health or, or otherwise. But, um, you know, when, when new residents come here, whether they're permanent residents or uh, they're here as a temporary worker, um uh, student um, but especially permanent residents and workers who uh, I would say by and large one of the um if not the one of the attraction points of coming to Canada at least one of the the assets that they look forward to here is is our health system um our publicly funded health system and um and you're right there's some there's some um details which tend to be um, either glossed over or, or missed for the fact that it's seen as a national health system, which it is, um, but w- um, if we jump right into it, Mark, uh, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice uh, I would give uh, is for uh, prospective uh, newcomers to Canada to think about the province they're coming to or the territory um, and especially with regard to health insurance.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to jump in just for a second here just to clarify for people too. You guys know out there that are listening all of the myths that that are perpetuated. And like like Jason just hit on, like healthcare is a huge draw to Canada. Massive. Like that is one of the things that that really attracts people to Canada. That and obviously our our education system and that's why we have over 500,000 foreign students in in Canada. But for people who are looking to immigrate, it is. But one of the things, and uh, you know, that Jason is going to dive into as he as he starts off with an overview, kind of of how this whole works, this whole system works, is he's going to smash and bust some of those myths that we have out there that are perpetuating. So, so as we go forward, stay tuned. We're going to cover. Um, David's going to. Uh, sorry, Jason is going to go through uh, just kind of an overview of how it works. And like he just was, as I so rudely cut him off, he's going to dive into some some of the distinctions between the provinces and 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 really the you know how it's structured. Um, across Canada. And uh, then once we've covered kind of the little bit of the overview, we're going to talk specifically about um, new permanent residents and some of the challenges that they face and some of the the, the surprises, especially uh, everyone that's coming through Express Entry and some of these other programs that are coming and landing in Canada for the first time and just are expecting this wonderful healthcare system to be immediately available, and then they're surprised when maybe it is not. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to address some of the issues that sometimes work uh, people here that are working in Canada or studying uh, some of those work permit or study permit holders, some of the challenges that they face, um, and then just talk a little bit about how not all of the interim medical plans out there are created equally. So I wanted to jump in quick, and, and uh, Jason has so much information to share. I thought I'd jump in and give you a little bit of a roadmap, and so I'll flip it back now to Jason, and he can he can start off by just. Helping you guys to understand how it works.
2: Super. And and yeah, Mark, definitely jump in. <laughs> and um so um you know what? A little bit of history first. So Canadians uh sorry, Canada's universal healthcare system. So um we celebrated, of course, as a nation in uh in uh twenty seventeen, our hundred and fiftieth year uh, as a nation. And one year later, uh, so July 1st of 2018, uh, is actually when we uh, got to celebrate 50 years of our universal health care system. So it wasn't with us the entire uh, time uh, we've existed as a nation. Uh, took quite a bit of uh, time and effort, and it actually began in Saskatchewan first, um, and then became uh, a nationalized uh um, law and then provinces adjusted to to administratively get on board. Um, so it's something to appreciate that it hasn't always been there, took a lot of work to to put together. Um, and so uh, and again it's perceived as Canada's healthcare system and at government websites, the Government of Canada website uh, which has pages that are there to Give a little primer for new immigrants starting out their life in Canada. Again, it's presented as Canada's healthcare system. And so, um, myth number one, or the the, the the question number one: True or false, Mark? Uh, does does healthcare work the same in all of Canada's uh, provinces and territories?
0: This is where it is I...
2: Canada. I mean, it's it's a national system after all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it shouldn't shouldn't it work the same? Absolutely. And so, this
0: is where my vast experience. <laughs> working within the immigration field has educated me on the reality that it is definitely not the same in every province. And this is where I can put a plug in, uh, Jason, for my fine province of Alberta, because I personally (laughs) think we've got the best deal out there. But that's, I'll leave that up to you to, to talk about some of the nuances. But I'm pretty happy with the province that I've got, and I think anyone who's looking to immigrate and they think, hmm, where should I go? Alberta, you can see, number one is going to rank number one for best health care. No, maybe that's (laughs) not the case, but that's my opinion. So, yes, they're all different.
2: There's lots of differences. You'd have some pretty good arguments to make, uh, Mark, for for that. Uh, I I I'd I have to uh, you know uh, uh, you you definitely have some strong points in Alberta. So so of course the answer we're leading up to is uh, no, healthcare doesn't work the same in every province and territory. Uh, there are standards, obviously, that are um, across Canada. Um, there's aspects of the coverage in, in its universality, uh, in the fact that it's. Uh, uh, portable uh, in the sense of a, a Canadian uh, going uh, to uh, travel within Canada. it can be covered uh, across Canada. Um, and um, and so so there's core principles that um, each province must maintain uh, to get the funding, the federal funding. But um, okay, so what are some of the differences? Um, you know, and a lot of people listening today might think already that yeah, we know some provinces have wait periods. Well, uh, and yes, that that's a big one for our um, future Canadians to know that some provinces, uh, three currently, uh, BC, Ontario, Quebec, and then all three uh, territories: Yukon, New, uh, New West Territory, Northwest Territories, sorry, uh, and Nunavut. Um, all those jurisdictions have an approximately three-month waiting period uh, during which time um, a new resident is not covered at all. Um, And that's That's very interesting, Jason,
0: because generally speaking, those, at least the three large cities you've mentioned there, or those provinces, are some of the primary destinations for immigrants. So, another plug. Alberta, no wait time. <laughs>
2: that's right. So um, uh, that's right. So um, and and how the three month wait is calculated varies a little bit. But the, the main thing to know is that when you land and you and you um, you know leave the airport, or if you've driven across or taken a boat, however you get here, um, there's a there's this period of time uh, when when you are considered an uninsured resident. Uh, even if you sent your application in on day one, um, uh, you couldn't actually be covered f- for about three months. That's crazy. So,
0: that, that is crazy. Yeah. So, so what happens? What happens to someone if they come and they get sick in that three month waiting period? Like, uh, and they so need to add, go to the hospital. Maybe I'm jumping the right. gun a bit here, but hey.
2: No 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 that's that's fine. Uh so the important thing is is that uh they you won't be turned away for health care. So the access to health care is not for card carrying members only. Um but you will receive uh a bill or multiple bills. Yeah. Um, uh in the sense that um if someone and, and and this is where I think um it's important uh for our audience to know that um as hard as uh, the um, Canadian government websites uh, try to inform and really prepare people well, it can be a difficult um, or a complex um, set of information to navigate because you've got federal government explaining certain things, but um, really certain things are better explained by the provincial government sites, which um, dial into uh, with authority how things work in each jurisdiction. So, for example, uh, a a prospective immigrant who reads the Start Your Life in Canada webpage um, put put out by the Canadian government, it says, uh, all provinces and territories will provide free emergency medical services, even if you don't have a government health card there may be restrictions depending on your immigration status.
0: Hmm. And I'll put a link Uh, in the show notes too for people who are wondering, what is this Start Your Life in Canada? I'll I'll put a link into the show notes for that.
2: Yeah. So so a little bit below that, there's a section about a waiting period to get public health insurance. So the waiting period is mentioned. But uh, what I want to just sort of trumpet out first and foremost is that there's no such thing as free emergency medical services uh, if you're in a waiting period. So, if some people think, "Well, okay, I, I'm not covered for three months for uh, routine care," let's say um, for common colds or to see a doctor, to refill a prescription, or to you know do something scheduled, uh, but at least I'm covered for emergencies. So, so please don't believe that because that that's not true. Um, so, uh, you know, I know people personally. Uh, one who he, he arrived in BC as a new. A permanent resident, and his son uh, fell off his bike and broke his arm, and so he paid um, I think just under a thousand dollars for the emergency room bill um, and he probably paid uh, an ambulance bill of around five hundred. Wow. Uh, um, and then, of course, there's other cases where uh, if someone's overnight in a hospital, um, you're going to be looking at you know in the thousands of dollars. So you know, it's not a uh, and and for people coming from other countries whose you know, whose who's currency uh, is is valued uh, you know uh, below the Canadian currency or, or uh, are are part of a uh, a healthcare system where paying out of pocket is is manageable, uh, they can it can be an absolute shock.
0: Yeah, a huge to, shock. And and, yeah. and you know, when immigrants are coming through express entry, there's a certain amount of settlement funds that are uh, that they are expected to bring with them in Canadian dollars, um, in order to get themselves established. Because it takes time to get a job, it takes time to get yourself all settled. And can you imagine um, if you, like you said, something as innocent as your 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 son or you know daughter falling off a bike, or heaven forbid, you're in a new world driving on snowy Canadian roads and you get into an accident. And you have to have an overnight hospital stay that was completely unpredicted. And there goes your settlement funds. You know, there goes the money that you were actually expecting to, to be able to help you get established. And so yep. this is a real issue. I, I never really turned my mind to it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, uh, so to very quickly, just to, to round out the numbers. So, um, and actually here's a tip, uh, a, a good tip again for newcomers. Um, If you're in Canada, in a province or territory with a wait period, aside from having the private health insurance that we'll talk about later, uh, which is available for short periods, just to fill those gaps, um, you know what? Carry a copy of your immigration status document. So if you're a permanent resident, if you carry even a photocopy of that uh, permanent resident card, or maybe it's a study permit, um, at most hospitals, which of course is the big ticket cost type of service, uh, at most hospitals, if they know that the patient they're helping is um, a new resident, not yet on health care, but a new resident as opposed to a tourist, then, uh, then they'll know that they can bill rates at about half the cost that they would bill to a tourist. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, so that's actually a little... Uh, it's a little early tip uh, normally I, I throw that in later, but that that's where it's it 's absolutely relevant because we're talking about what to do in those first three months so for example uh let 's look at vancouver general Hospital um you know the the emergency room fee for a tourist or non resident is going to be uh upwards of seven hundred and fifty dollars um, not including the emergency physician fee, which would probably be another two hundred and fifty. And a, a daily ward would be about thirty five hundred uh, in te- in, in, per day, uh, and intensive care could be over thirteen thousand dollars per day. Um, per the uninsured. Day. Well, I can per tell day.
0: you, yeah, I can tell you that for a, a single individual, um, the minimum expected settlement funds is just under thirteen thousand dollars that they need to bring with them, and so some people that's what they will have, you know, to get themselves established. So imagine one day, boom.
2: It's yeah, gone. that's intensive care. So, yeah. and if they're an un, if they present their document that proves that they're a new permanent resident or work permit holder, uh, and and on their way and just waiting for government health, then they could have what's called the uninsured resident rate. At at again, most hospital authorities do this. Um, so that same hospital, Vancouver General. Uh, for the emergency room would be about three hundred three hundred and fifty let 's call it instead of seven hundred and fifty plus plus. Oh. Um, and the daily ward at would be around the fifteen hundred dollar per day mark instead of thirty five hundred dollars and intensive care would be in the you know fifty three hundred per day instead of thirteen thousand plus oh. so th- these are round numbers, but they 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 kind of hammer home the point that um, these are, these are risks not worth gambling around.
0: Absolutely. And I also want to point out, um, when people first come, you will know, you, you new immigrants, that it takes right now about 44 days for you to actually get your permanent resident card. So you'll want to keep with you a copy of your confirmation of permanent residence, which is the document that you signed at the Port of Entry when you were first entering Canada to complete your landing. So that's the one that you're going to use for the purposes of, of, of confirming um, your, your status. To be eligible for these these discounted uh, rates, if heaven forbid something happens,
2: yeah, yeah. So um, so take away again, just to recap. Number one is is really to um, before you even come to Canada, ideally, um, study up on the province you're coming to, and and as you've kind of uh, suggested, may, maybe do a little compare and contrast uh, between the provinces. Um, before you make a final decision and, uh, (laughs) and, And um, to Alberta. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, what's, what's the temperature right
0: now there, Mark? Right now. Well, uh, (laughs) there are some advantages and some disadvantages. (laughs) Um, it might be minus 20, but it's, it's mostly sunny today. And, uh, yeah, we're all nice and warm here. We just don't go out as much. That's all.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's what you do with the weather that counts, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So um, let's see where we can best uh, go from here. I think uh, before we get into a little bit of consumer ed about the types of short-term medical insurance mm. that's available uh, to... and. and um, to, to fill the gap of a, of a waiting period for, for healthcare. Um, maybe it's worth throwing in for the work permit holder yeah, let's audience. Let's talk
0: about those. in yeah, uh-huh. so we've kind of got an idea now about, uh, you know, if you're a permanent resident, some of the things you need to be aware of and the realities that exist for you, but sometimes the rules are a little bit different if you're a temporary resident. And so, yeah, let's, why don't we jump into that for people who are here working or studying on permits?
2: sure that that sounds good so uh we'll start with the work permit holders um um and um cuz your set of uh of um what that work permit will uh grant you in terms of uh resident status and and services like health services works uh differently than to uh study permit holders so work permit holders um so, the broad stroke is if you're if you're coming to a Canadian province or territory uh, with a work permit that is um, of sufficient duration, typically six months or longer, um, you're going to be deemed a temporary residence of the province that you settle and work in uh, and get access to the uh, health plan from that province and um, there are exceptions, of course, so uh, I won't get into all those right now but generally speaking um work permit holders uh are eligible for uh I'll use the term medicare um sure. because that's kind of like the generic term for public healthcare um in each province and um but work permit holders um is, so actually the, the the easy part is your your treatment uh, with respect to whether or not you have a waiting period is going to be the same as if you were a permanent resident, or even a, a Canadian moving back to Canada after, say, years of living abroad. So, so really, um, there isn't a difference that a province or territory will either have a waiting period or not for all uh, people uh, eligible to apply for Medicare. Uh, but where things get different is, uh, well, work permits are not permanent. Uh, they are temporary, um, as the name suggests. So um, the expiry date of a work permit or, or a study permit, for that matter, um, has a huge implication uh, uh, that with respect to one's coverage under uh, Medicare. So, of course, per, uh, work permit holders, you know, if you're going to BC, Ontario, Quebec, or any of the territories... Um, yeah, you're going to need to have, um, a three month, uh, bridging private health insurance, but let's assume now you're on the public health plan, uh, either independently you've applied and you've got your health card from Alberta health or from uh, medical services plan of BC or Ontario health insurance, wherever, um, and uh, you're settled in. You, you can go to see doctors uh, or you can go to that emergency room or, um, and, and, and the services are just billed to the system. You know. Um, so that's, uh, you're, you're tasting the sweetness of the public health care system that we have. Um, but then at some point, that work permit or that study permit is going to expire. And if there's an intention to remain in Canada beyond that, Initial permit. Uh, of course, Mark's territory and expertise is uh, the immigration side, and so uh, Mark, I'm sure you'd tell everyone that to make sure you apply for uh, your replacement permit, whatever that new permit is, uh, well in advance of the expiry. Well in
0: of, advance. Yeah. <clears throat>
2: yeah. And 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 so um, and why that's so important from the health perspective is the uh, the Ministry of Health in each province will just uh, consider your eligibility uh, over on the expiry date of the uh, work permit. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so of course, if you have a new permit, then uh, they won't know about it until you uh, provide it to them or email fax or in person. However, the ministry of health uh, accepts communications in the province where you are. Um, But, uh, what we see a lot of today, uh, which is really um, can be rather um, unsettling in a way, is that a lot of work permit holders um, uh, don't have their new work permit or study permit home or, uh, holders don't have their postgraduate work permit or whatever next permit they're going to have. Uh, they don't ne- necessarily have that document in hand when the original permit expires. And, uh, so even if someone can legally stay, uh, um, and, and continue working or studying, um, the, the healthcare, um, uh, ministry, uh, ministries of health will, will not let health coverage continue. Um, and, and it's like you're back in a waiting period.
0: You bet. And I'll jump in and I'll give an example, uh, at least one that I've experienced with with some of my clients, and where I see this happen a lot is people who are here on work permits, and then they you know they're single, they come, they find their true love in Canada, and then they decide to transition and, and go through a spousal sponsorship, and so um, back in. the 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 day of of this particular example here in alberta alberta does have a little bit of a grace period during this implied status period and so if you've got a work permit that's expired and you submit your application uh, to extend it before that permit expires you can continue working until a decision is made and that's this concept of implied status but it's an immigration concept not uh, um you know when it comes to the um the various health authorities, they don't all recognize it, like um, like Jason had indicated. And so in my situation, uh, they decided, okay, we'll just submit our spousal sponsorship, and there's a little way that you can include an open work permit with it. And, uh, and then once, you know, the spousal application has been processed, and maybe it's four months, well, it, when it's reached the stage where they've opened up the file, essentially, they'll then kick back... Um, an open work permit, but usually it can take about four months or longer. And so I've had th- this couple who was expecting, and um, they ran into this period where her previous work permit expired. And so even though she had, um, she was going to be placed or moved over onto her, her spouse's, her Canadian spouse's plan, they wouldn't grant her coverage until she had a valid document in her hand. So in Alberta, it's a little bit different. And I don't mean to dive too deep into the nuances of each province. That's not the purpose of this. But in their situation, she didn't have that work permit. She couldn't get coverage until she got it. And so they went into a period where she had complications, significant complications with her, um, with her pregnancy and they were going to have to, to foot those bills. And, uh, it's, it's just crazy. Like to, when you think about the, the potential, um, ramifications that can happen when you just don't even appreciate it. So, uh, I just thought I'd share that little example, but in the end, yeah, they, they, um, they had a, a pretty hefty bill and, and then they had some negotiation with with the the province to then reimburse it. And like I said, there's different you know different rules for every every province. But I'll I'll turn that back to you now, Jason.
2: Yeah, know that that's a, a really um, helpful story. Well, uh, true case where it kind of illustrates um, the the vulnerability that a temporary resident um, or in this case someone who's uh, on, In an application process for permanent residents you you can you can be here (laughs) from a federal point of view you can be here you can even work here potentially and 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 study but um there are these periods of time where you you may not be eligible for government health and and you know so so really to pull this back to what's useful to uh our audience of um who listen to this as a as a temporary resident um so you want to manage your entry point to Medicare, uh, get on board and make sure you have private insurance for the the gap if you have one, the waiting period. But you want to, unlike a permanent resident, uh, you you have more to pay attention to to maintain, uh, hopefully seamlessly, um, uh, but as best you can maintain your um, provincial health coverage. Um, okay, and 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 this is an area too, Mark, where each province is a little different, so. Um, you know, BC used to actually allow extension uh, for up to three months for someone in implied status, um, and they changed their mind on that uh, July of 2017. Um, and, and some provinces um, have a, a, an appeal process where they'll give a short extension and, and some won't. So again, big message for uh, temporary residents is to just know how it works in your province, um, because it doesn't work the same everywhere. Um,
0: so so how, we've about, to, how about students yeah. then? So that that kind of covers oh, yeah. the worker. How about students? How, how do? What, what's the story for a new uh, international student who's who's coming?
2: So um, with students, uh, the landscape is a, a changing landscape, um, and what I mean by that is uh, the provinces. Um, some provinces do not uh, offer public health coverage uh, to international students um, period, uh, so for an example, um, Manitoba, um, up till uh, the end of August of two thousand eighteen uh, uh, for a number of years, Manitoba um, covered or offered coverage uh, to international students who were studying of of sufficient duration, I believe six months or longer. But um, uh, end of August 2018, with the new provincial budget, uh, that uh, eligibility was withdrawn from international students. So so there's uh, just uh, an illustration of, you know, what happens uh, one year uh, in a province in policy can change. Um, So uh, Manitoba... um, No public coverage for international students. Um, Ontario, uh, the same thing. Um, In BC, study permit holders uh, who are going to be here for, uh, and I say here because that's where I am in BC, um, uh, study permit holders who are going to be here for six months or longer uh, are actually eligible for our government health plan and are actually required by law to apply for it. Uh, but you'll have a three-month wait period. Uh, so, so you know, and in and um, in Alberta, um, you know, if if a student's going to be in a in a program for twelve months or longer, um, Alberta Health is uh, available to a, a study permit holder actually from day one.
0: Yeah, and that's the one uh, advantage to Alberta, obviously. In the other provinces, that they don't have the waiting time. Now, I want to clarify something, Jason. Yeah, it, this isn't a situation where someone can just say, "Okay, well, I'll just apply three months in advance of of arriving in BC," right? C- this, this, correct. This waiting period, it starts from the date that you're physically resident and can prove it, right, in that province.
2: That's right. So, so. Um, there's sort of no kind of uh, early bird application option. <laughs> um, uh, so you have to physically have arrived. And the same is true in, in other provinces. Um, you know, uh, there to establish residence, you actually have to arrive. Yeah. Um, and so in BC, the waiting period is a little different. Uh, to let's say Ontario, Ontario has a full three-month waiting. In BC, it's the balance of the calendar month you arrive plus the next two calendar months. Mm-hmm. So your wait could be as short as sixty-one days, depending on how the how things go, or it could be ninety-two days. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so so just getting back to students, uh, the message here is that um, there is a very wide ranging difference uh, differences. Uh, uh, between the provinces and territories, so I'll give you one more example. Uh, in Nova Scotia, um, a study permit holder who's in a even in a long-term program, let's say a three-year degree, uh, until you've been thir- uh, twelve full months in Nova Scotia, um, you have no access to Nova Scotia's health plan, wow. and then the as you enter your thirteenth month, then you can uh, have the provincial plan provided you did not leave, uh, Nova Scotia for more than 31 days in your first year. So there, there's if, ands or buts, right? Wow. So So
0: let me, let me just stop there for a second. So these, you know, during your, your breaks, sometimes kids go home, you know, to visit family. And so you could theoretically never qualify.
2: Correct. Yep. And and so here's uh, a real uh, example uh, that uh, we encountered. Uh, student uh, was has been in Nova Scotia studying for. Um, uh, well, they they were coming into their second year uh, this past fall, and they um, w- uh, actually no, they were coming into their third year. So they were on um, on uh, what they call MSI medical. Um, services Insurance of Nova Scotia. Um, but they had a, an absence in excess of 31 days. And so that disrupted their Nova Scotia health. And again, it was a case where uh, it was a student with a spouse and the spouse was pregnant. Oh. And um, so rather than be able to continue on provincial health for the um, for that pregnancy... Uh, they faced um, a loss of the public health coverage. And uh, with private insurance, uh, which we'll get more into shortly, um, unlike public insurance, you know, there are certain types of exclusions which private insurance plans have to have to be sustainable. Um, And so, for example, uh, it's virtually impossible to find an individual uh, health plan uh that will cover an existing pregnancy. Pregnancy, wow. Right? Because that's a guaranteed expected expense whereas yeah. insurance insurance by principle is to cover the unexpected. Um and and even among group plans it's um not impossible but um you know r- relatively rare to find group plans that will cover a, a new member uh in full for an existing pregnancy, so uh, so again you can see how um, maybe it's not the masses who who get into circumstances like this, but the individuals and that and that's and the individual families, which is you know what we care about. Uh, they you can really get into a tough spot. Um, so so again, the general note for international students is. Um, it's it's very province-specific. And um, as the Nova Scotia case uh, illustrates, you, you really have to know uh, what can potentially undo your eligibility. And, and spending time outside, especially any extended period of time, outside your new Canadian home province um, can undo your eligibility for healthcare in that province
0: wow so the moral is make sure as a student no matter where you're studying or which province you're in that you have a very clear understanding of how that coverage uh, the different things that can impact on you maintaining that coverage uh, and obviously getting it in the first place
2: yeah yeah and the same is true even even uh, uh work permit holders permanent residents and even canadian citizens all to greater or lesser extents you need to be to keep an eye on how much time you spend outside your Canadian home province. Gotcha. Um, and and but students especially because you know 31 days is not a long period of time. Wow. Um, oh. And uh, yeah. So I see these, uh,
0: Jason. I see all of these people, you know, coming to Canada and and uh, like it's you can't just go down the street and find someone who's going to provide you with this interim coverage. Um, you know that it's probably going to happen. You know you're you're planning to go to one of these main areas where, you know, immigrants, the majority of immigrants settle, whether that's Ontario or BC or whatever. You know you're going to be facing this waiting period. Um, but it's not going to be easy for them to actually figure out where they can get the coverage, how they can find it. And obviously, uh, like everything, you know, you have to shop around. You have to make sure that you know what you're getting and, and what you're paying for. And, uh, cause all, not all plans are created equally. So obviously this yep. is your industry. This is what you do. This is your wheelhouse. So educate us a little bit on, um, on just trying to select, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the proper, uh, location, I guess, or, or source of, of coverage and, and who, you know, who you can trust and who you should avoid and all those kinds of things.
2: Yep. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Any, any um, when you when you think about the stakes of of risk, um, then this is one of those um, financial risk management purchases that you you just don't want to um, you know uh, click the first buy now uh, button you see online um, and. Um, so okay, so let's get into this. Um first of all, within within insurance, um you know, if someone took the approach of uh saying, "Okay, well, um you know, what what Canadian insurance companies are there and 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 who's got temporary health insurance?" Um you know, most of the 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 big name um insurance companies that are household names are in the in the field of life insurance, and and so, and most of those companies um, don't offer this kind of short term, uh, temporary medical plan. So one of the good things that um, our audience has uh, going for them. Uh, with a caveat, mind you, is that there's this thing called Google. <laughs> and, uh, so um, all of all
0: of the uh, people that access immigration services are very familiar with the uh, the amazing resource called Google, which has lots of information, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and then from yeah. there, it's a good starting point, but whether or not you can actually trust it, well, that's uh, uh, let me just put a caveat out there because I know you won't. If you guys are really seriously looking and trying to figure things out contact Jason.
2: Well, I I appreciate that. Full Um, stop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the, the Google uh, and what it's good for and, and, and what to be aware of. So you can Google the words medical insurance for Canada or maybe waiting period, uh, medical insurance, Canada. Um, New Immigrant to Canada Insurance, any, any of those things. And, and you will get a long list of hits uh, of results, uh, in brackets, results. Um, and what you're mostly going to encounter uh, once you get past sort of the, the marketing language of medical insurance for new residents or new immigrants, um, by and large, people are going to find what are called Visitors to Canada medical plans and that's just a, 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 marketing category if you will, uh, of, of, temporary medical plans. And these are, um, for emergency medical need of unforeseen need of emergency medical services. Um, and so they can be purchased for 10 days for three months, uh, for a year even. Um, and you know what? they, they fit the bill for for a lot of people in that um, they're available for a short term basis um, you know you can You can buy an amount of coverage nowadays uh in excess of a hundred thousand uh, dollars so it's not hard to find a plan that would cover even three hundred thousand uh as a maximum amount um And for an initial emergency, like let's say someone has, um, you know, like that bicycle accident or um, a terrible bout of food poisoning or or something that that lands them in the hospital. um, They're good for covering the hospital bill, the ambulance uh, service, uh, emergency physician fee, even a little bit of uh, prescription drug. Uh, prescribed uh, for that incident um, where they're limited is that if someone's moved their whole life here um, if they face a medical uh, sickness or injury in their say their first three months and it's going to maybe need a, some, some protracted amount of, of continuing or follow up care or maybe a, a surgery in uh, a month from now. Say someone hurts their knee badly and they say, well, you know, once the swelling goes down, let's say we probably want to schedule you for a surgery in, in, you know, so many weeks or in, in a couple of months. Um, there are a, a lot of scenarios where the follow up care or the, or the treatment someone might need after the initial stabilizing emergency care is done. Uh, once you get past that emergency care, a visitor to Canada plan or an emergency medical style of plan, uh, isn't, uh, often isn't going to pay or will limit what they cover for that follow-up care. And so, um, and they can even say, well, if you're deemed medically fit to travel back to your country of origin, so if a doctor's assessment is, well, we're releasing you and, um, and you're medically fit to go on a plane back to the country that you came from, then most of the emergency medical plans in the market um, have, uh, allow the insurer to basically require that individual to uh, go back to their home country for uh, continuing care. Um, and And that is a... That limitation brings the price point of the emergency insurance uh down, which is a good thing so i, I and so by talking this way about the insurance i 'm not um, sort of suggesting that the emergency uh profile of plan is is bad it's, it's not bad it's just it is what it is so yeah it's it 's
0: all in the exclusions, you know, and there's a reason why it's cheaper right um, you know that, that's right with fewer claims because of the exclusions. Um, then yeah, the the policies are are gonna have a, a little later uh, a later price tag associated with them than than one that's actually gonna provide the coverage that would be equivalent to what you would get if you know there wasn't this waiting period.
2: It, exactly, and 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 we uh, our our agents. Uh, I mean, myself and and I have another se- senior advisor here, and and uh, and our team. I mean, we sell the emergency. Um, insurance and and to put it more accurately, our um, new immigrants and temporary residents quite often uh, look at that style of plan and say, you know what, I, I can I can live with that. Um, uh, but but not everyone looks at it the same way. So um, whereas the vast majority of um, sources for medical insurance, especially online, are going to Just talk about emergency insurance. Um, There is another type of health plan which is typically designed for uh, expatriates, so people who are taking up long term residence outside their home country. So, for those of you listening to this, as a uh, you know, if you're going to go shop for insurance, um, uh, if you don't come to me and and ask me for advice, <laughs> uh, which of course I hope you do. But uh, no, if you're doing some homework uh, you're on your own, uh, uh, then another Google search might be expatriates health insurance or health insurance for expats. And you're going to get a whole different set of results uh, uh, of information on Google. Um, and an expatriate plan is usually for, you know, annual year over year coverage. But um, you know, being twenty years in this business, uh, we've learned, you know, which um that there are some providers who will let someone cancel after three months or after six months or um you know whatever the their other ca-
0: coverage kicks in, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um and so we find that more and more clients um when they understand that, okay, I can get a plan that's kind of uh, emergency, um, focused, uh, and, and I'm still kind of exposed financially if there's some follow-up care, uh, needed, uh, or I might need to sort of wait for, uh, a, a surgery or a procedure till I'm on public health. Uh, otherwise I'd have to pay for it myself kind of a thing. Um, we're finding some people, will prefer to pay uh, a bit more for a more robust plan in the form of an expatriate health plan where here's what's different, Mark. It it does cost uh, more Mm -hmm. uh, premium up front, obviously. Um, And then there's health questions asked by the insurance company up front. Um, uh, But then once you're on that plan, uh what 's medically necessary uh according to the benefits you you buy the 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 plan the insurance company uh is is not going to be able to kind of delineate between well when is emergency treatment over and necessary follow up beginning mm-hmm. for example right so i know we're for some of our audience we might you know we might be getting uh into the finer details yeah. of scenarios that are yeah. hard to envision, right yeah. but um, I guess uh, if you can um, uh, trust me for the fact that you know seeing uh, literally for over twenty years um, immigrants coming into our nation and and temporary residents and you know having you, you you come across scenarios where the the differences between plans actually either made a difference for the better or would have made a difference had they uh chosen differently. So um
0: uh interesting.
2: Yeah. Um and and again um like any other um financial purchase I think the main thing is to just do do a little reading um of beyond the sort of landing page splash advertisement of what the plan's going to do for you. Um, do a little reading, especially if someone's coming over. Let's say with a chronic medical condition. It might not be a, a um, you know, uh, it might be very stable, long-term condition, uh, and wasn't of any consequence consequence for immigrating to Canada. But uh, you know, you should know that people with a uh, what they call a pre-existing medical condition, there's going to be some exclusions or at least restrictions on that. On the private insurance that you can get for the the waiting period for government health good news is the government health plan does not uh discriminate between old conditions or new conditions so so the 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 goal the prize at the end of the of the race uh which is the public health care uh plan that our our new fellow residents will enjoy that um, you know that some of these complexities uh, don't exist uh, there.
0: Excellent. Well, this is great. This has been super, super helpful. And I know anyone. It's always like this when we're talking about insurance or any kind of pre- preventative measures. Um, you know, when we're trying to look at things in the you know in advance and trying to predict. Okay, what is the likelihood of something bad happening? And you know, the, you know when you are are exposing yourself, and can't, like like Jason indicated, the Canadian health system is wonderful. It is, but it's expensive, and if you have to pay for it out of your own own pocket, um, you're gonna you're gonna be in for a very very um, rude awakening. And uh, for people who feel, oh, I'm healthy, there's nothing you know wrong that's gonna happen. Well, that's fine. But I can tell you, if you are one of those individuals who is risk averse, who is a little bit, um, would rather have the coverage and be protected from the moment that they arrived in Canada, especially if maybe you're a parent or grandparent who was recently landed in Canada and you're going to Ontario or you're going to BC or one of these countries, uh, one of these provinces where there's a waiting period, especially in those circumstances, you're going to want to make sure that you've got that interim coverage but um but yes you know where the risk is higher for sure but you know don't discount it you young express entry uh new newly arrived permanent residents um because you just you, you never know and for the short little period of time and the small amount that it is it is something that is entirely worth it and I know I think for myself even when we travel abroad I don't leave anywhere without at least the meta, you know the emergency coverage in place so and the good thing for you is you've got um, you know, some good, good folks that are super knowledgeable uh, like Jason and, and David Cummings Insurance Services to to give you a little bit of uh, help and guidance. And um, I also want to just qualify for everybody who's listening here at the end. Um, Jason is not paying me anything to do this. <laughs> this is not a, a, a paid plug for, for David Cummings Insurance Services. This is genuinely me telling you that there's so many people out there, so many that are just looking to take your money. And uh, Jason and, and his team are 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 individuals that you can trust, and they're going to give you information. They're going to educate you, and that's what's important. And then you can make uh, an informed decision as to what is best for you and your family. Um, David, what is the best way for them to reach you? Or sorry, sorry, um, David. I keep calling <laughs> David. Jason, what's the what's the best I, way I get- for them
2: to reach you, Jason? I get it all the time. I get it all the time. <laughs> I, I answer to David or Jason. Well,
0: you better say why. So, who's this David?
2: You be, you so, be, David, David is my father. David yes. of David Cummings Insurance Services. So, yeah. we are. Uh, uh, so, we celebrated 30 years um, uh, from the time that uh, David, my father, uh, founded Very cool. uh, our business, and then uh, I've been working with him for it's coming up on 22 years. Yeah. yeah. And, and
0: David is good as gold. He's salt of the earth, and so lots of us <laughs> practitioners and David and Jason. Yeah, it's it, yeah. There's there's a reason that I invited uh, Jason to come and join me on the podcast. But
2: yeah, so if they want to reach so out, how to reach? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, one would be of course email, which is just my first name, Jason at david cummingscom dot uh, com, and uh, so it's a hyphen, not an underscore, between. Yeah david and cummings i'll make sure to put Um, this
0: all in the show notes as well for our listeners
2: yeah and um we have uh of course our website is www.david-cummings.com uh and for for those who uh want to just start the process of even getting a ballpark idea uh whether it could be months in advance of coming here uh you know uh what, what, how, you, you might even say to me, hey, you know what, I'm going to uh, New Brunswick. Um, can you give me a, a head start on what to know f- for New Brunswick? Uh, that's what we do uh, all the time. So we, we, uh, we, we help folks uh, get a head start on the province they're going to. And then we can uh, give you a sense of what options are available uh, from multiple insurance companies uh, to, to fill the gaps uh, if you have a gap. Um, and, um, so our website has, uh, a form, which I think might be included, uh, in the links with the podcast where it's, it's a questionnaire that lets you know what kind of information, uh, we need or any other broker out there would need, um, to, to offer you an informed proposal. Um, and, um yeah I would absolutely uh love to um hear from uh listeners and um and again um we we want to see people uh move to Canada and uh start their life in Canada and continue their life in canada uh successfully so that's that's really the motivating force uh behind education uh um, uh, platforms like like this Mark and I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh you know, whenever whenever I do these podcasts it's great because I myself probably learn just as much as uh as the listeners do, especially when we're talking about different topics that are more ancillary to our direct Canadian immigration. But this, although ancillary, is really really important um for uh you know, for for newcomers to Canada to be aware of. And I appreciate the time that you took to lay out how the program, you know, our healthcare system works in Canada and the emphasis on the fact that it is, you know, it's driven at a provincial level and there's variations and not all provinces are the same. And just just to alert the listeners to some of the pitfalls and, and, um, you know, challenging circumstances that they can find themselves in just because they don't know. So we really, really appreciate, uh, yeah, the information. I know I speak on behalf of all the listeners for the time that you took to come and join us. And um, yeah, it's uh, we'll make sure we get all the links in there. And there's some brochures and things like that as well that we'll put into the show notes on the com website. And uh, yeah, maybe, um, uh, Jason, we can have you come back in the future a little bit and talk about a few more things. Um, you know, maybe even our, our uh, super visas and, and parental that whole world of uh, um, visitor visas, long-term visitor visas, uh, because I know that's going to be a massive area, uh, you know, and it, it has been over the years for, um, for parents and grandparents who, who want to come temporarily to visit their family because they can't get through that crazy permanent resident uh, uh, lottery, essentially, mm-hmm. that uh, is now become, well, this year it was a race to file, which was kind of crazy. But anyways, so, so thanks so much. Uh, really, really yeah. appreciate it, Jason.
2: Yeah, my pleasure and uh yeah, I'd love I'd love to join you again. Um yeah, the the super visa topic and 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 uh international education Canada uh sorry, international experience Canada. Those uh Oh yeah, we we didn't we, about did, those we, did we, we, we didn't get those, to that today, but uh, right. there's some uh there's some folks out there who who actually have a requirement for insurance tied to the actual visa. So that's a whole another subject. Perfect. Um, For another day.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks so
2: much. All right. Well, you
0: take care, and we will definitely talk again soon. Great. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Bye. All right. As you can see, that episode lasted a little bit longer than I anticipated, but the reality is I just kept having more and more questions for him. And, uh, you know, David and his, um, uh, David Cummings, uh, the principal and and the founder of David Cummings Insurance and his son Jason have been a fixture at pretty much all of the Canadian Bar Association National Immigration uh, Conferences that I've attended and so I just had to get Jason in to come and join me and uh, he knocked it out of the park. It was really, really good and I want to express appreciation to him uh, for joining me and um, yeah, to all of you for tuning in. Uh, my goal of trying to get to 100 episodes is still there. We'll see what happens here because this one's getting released a little bit later than I originally intended. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to appreciate, uh, express appreciation to all of you who tune in and um, all of those individuals out there who've reached out to me and sent me emails uh, expressing appreciation, especially you, you lawyers that are new to the practice of immigration law. And when people say, hey, your episodes helped me so much, um, as I've Kind of getting my feet underneath me. That's why I do it. So thank you to everyone uh, for watching it, for watching, for tuning in and uh, and listening here to, on the podcast. Obviously, I have some other avenues that I do, like Facebook live videos. <laughs> so crossing over between—is this a a video, a live video, or is this audio? Sometimes, oh, my mind just goes uh, blank. Anyways. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it very much. If you have a question that you'd like, um, or a topic, I should say, that you'd like to uh, address or, or even yourself come and join me as a guest, reach out. I love to hear from you. And and uh, we're always looking for new guests to join me on the podcast. So just send an email to mholthy at stringham.ca, and that is S-T-R-I-N-G-A-M.ca, and uh, we can hook something up. Um, other than that, I just want to invite you to slide over to iTunes if you're listening it there and don't forget to leave a review, which helps to, ex- uh, increase the exposure of the podcast. And, um, as always, just thanks for listening. Uh, you guys are the reason that I do this. All right. Well, this is Mark Holfi. Uh, signing off once again uh, the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Wishing you guys all the best as you navigate this wonderful world of Canadian immigration law, policy, and practice. All right, guys. Take care.
1: Bye. Oh, Canada. Greatest country in the world. We want to share of your soil This place I love My home and native land We welcome all And with you we'll stand We'll set you straight With law, policy and practice Here on the Canadian Immigration